Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. Have you ever stepped back and considered how are you being looked at by folks who don't buy into the teachings of Christ because of you and me, but appreciate the teachings of Christ regardless. In episode 33, we had a conversation with a couple of folks who don't subscribe to Christianity as self-described socialists. Today, Alan Mosley joins me with a different perspective as an anarchist who has been vocal about this topic. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation because I think he's got a very interesting uh, way of looking at this. And I want to hear it. All right, before we get to this topic, I, w- I wanted to bring you on to kind of get your perspective on how you see Christians behaving and what, what maybe kind of gets you kind of pulled back from how Christians are behaving when it comes to the state comes to loving their neighbor, all this stuff. But before we get into that, tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Give us a little background of yourself, whatever you want us to know about you, then we'll get into it. Sure. Uh, I'm uh, Alan Mosley, the host of It's Too Late with Alan Mosley, which you can catch new episodes every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern time. It's a late night show, so we do the show exactly like you would see a late night show on a television network uh, with the the music and the guests and the commercial breaks and everything. Uh, and it's and it's more of a lighthearted, fun kind of a show than our old iteration of the gold standard, which was more of just a straight straight talk politics type of a show. Uh, I'm a jazz musician. I'm a historian. My degrees are in history. Um, I do uh, some policy stuff for the Tenth Amendment Center. Uh, I, I'm a writer. I've been published by uh, a lot of sources that I'm sure your audience are familiar with, like Mises.org, uh, Fee, uh, Lou Rockwell, Libertarian Institute. Uh, so that's 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 a little bit about uh, the the kind of company I keep. So you're either you're either slamming the uh, log off button or listening <laughs> based on what I just said. So let's start with this in in messaging mm-hmm. to set this up. I, I was asking you some questions, to, you know, to kind of get some feedback on on how I was going to go about this. But you said something in messaging that really kind of caught my attention. You said you. You, you have some common ground with Christian anarchists mm-hmm. as as an atheist, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm kind of curious what what um, this common ground is, because I think that's something that as we keep moving forward in this life that we can kind of build off as Christians, build off from as Christians to kind of understand how folks are. If there's some common ground, then maybe there can be some more common ground at some point. So mm-hmm. you got to start somewhere, right? So what is what is the common ground you have with uh, Christian anarchists? Well, I mean, the number one absolute biggest thing is being anti-war. Um, whether whether it's libertarian audiences, whether it's uh, strictly uh, anarchist audiences, and what what you would like to hope would be Christian audiences is that an- being anti-war has to be. The, the kind of a core tenet of of everything in which you you believe in and fight for. If it's not, then I feel like you're you're either you're either signaling or you totally don't understand the things that you purport to believe in, uh, or you're making policy decisions. 
and and I and I don't view anti-war that way. I'm not interested in in politicking when it comes to when it comes to war. Uh, uh, one of the one of the most important articles that I've written, uh, our mutual friend Stephen Rose from Anarcho Christian, and and he published this article on his site uh, after it had been published by several others. It's actually my most read article. I got picked up by Zero Hedge and that sort of thing, and it was talking about the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which I think we just recently passed the seventy seventh anniversary of those, um, and uh, the I, I wanted to write the article. It was, it's mo- it's more of a it's really a historical article more so than it is a uh, ideological type of an article uh, because I wanted to make sure to have all the sources in there of look, j- look at just how destructive this was and then look at the kinds of people that were affected by it. Like, look, this they don't make magical bombs that shoot little tiny shrapnel fairies that only hit enemy combatants. That's not how bombs work. And it's certainly not how A-bombs work, right? Uh, and so when you look at the just innocent people that were killed by it, um, you look at where they draw course, you know, the, the infamous, how they use the dome of, a, of the biggest Christian church as their, the focal point of the epicenter of the, of where the bomb would be dropped. And that that was the largest Christian community in the Asian world at the time. Then when you look at the comments, the, the quotes and, the backlog of experts at the time. So this is a little bit talking to our talking to our appeal to authority and our well, you weren't there and our well, the experts know something we don't. Crowd, look, you you had uh, the highest ranking Marines and naval officers uh, and military advisors and generals at the time who were there in in the planning room saying, we sh- we don't need to do this. It isn't even a matter of what the strategic value is. We don't need to do this. And so when you look at the, when you look at all the cooler heads that could not prevail and that this occurred, um, I mean, it's an atrocity and it should be called as such. And boy, you will never get people hotter at you. Even people who maybe agree with you on most things, you will never get people hotter at you than to criticize these these almost you know mythical beings of yesteryear. Whether it's founding fathers, whether it's you know the greatest generation in this case. You're, well, you're criticizing the greatest generation. This was the crowning achievement of of the Western world, and and this is America's ascension to the global stage, and this is when uh, the U.S. became a superpower, and we won World War II. USA, USA. You criticize that, you get a lot of people upset. But again, it's it's worth it. It's it's worth whatever heat you may generate. Because I'll I'll be honest, would it be worth writing an article bickering about a a small percent increase or decrease in some program or another if you knew that it would literally cause a hundred million people to hate you? Maybe not. But for war, it's worth it. We've got to be good on this topic. And I feel like the Christian anarchists are good on this topic. Uh, I mean, you know, no true Scotsman notwithstanding. True libertarians are good on this topic. We're good on this topic. Anyone who's not good on this topic, I, I doubt anything that they think. You can't be, if you're going to be anything in this community, you have to be anti-war. We can, we can disagree on a lot of stuff, but if we disagree on this, you're not a part of this community. Yeah, when you're trying to get libertarians to agree on anything, it's like trying to hurt a bunch of cats anyway. But I think you're right. I think this has to be, we have to be solid on this because 
Christian or non-Christian, you mentioned the, that bombing. And I, I, when it came up again on social media, it starts, people start talking about it again, and then it goes away until the next year, right? Mm-hmm. But the comments, the, the, the comments that I'm seeing from Christians about this defending mm-hmm. these actions, I almost have to shut social media off sometimes because it, 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 I try not to be an angry person, but Christians anger me when it comes to this topic because they want to defend something that, like you said, it's not just killing the intended enemy. You're, there's innocent people dying in this thing that had wanted nothing to do with this, wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. You got two governments that are pissed off at each other. And now people who wanted nothing to do with it are dying. You know, it's the same thing we see with every war. You know, they talk about these drone bombings in in Iraq or Afghanistan. They're bombing weddings, school buses, hospitals. What the hell is going on here? And there's no, there's absolutely no reason for a Christian to defend this. If you take the teachings of Jesus Christ very seriously, there's no, absolutely no defense of this. But I saw it the entire time when that when they were talking about it was last week. And I was like, what are you talking about? Go read some of this early church stuff prior to Constantine. You know, when Constantine got involved, it really changed a lot of things about the church. You know, and I, and I blame a lot of what we see with the church today on that very aspect of it. But if you read the stuff from the early church prior to that, they were very pacifist, very uh, anti-war. And they didn't make no qualms about it. I mean, a lot of these folks were taught directly by the apostles who were taught directly by Jesus Christ. So they have a better understanding than a lot of these modern Christians are going to understand. And we have to at some point get back to that. But but the reason why Christians will defend this drives me crazy. But here's the thing I used to. I used to defend this stuff. I used to be that guy. I mean, I don't know if you know this about me, but I was a loud, proud, card-carrying neoconservative. Okay. And when I started understanding anarchism and then coming into uh, how that kind of align, not kind of, it does align with my faith in Christ. I started understanding the peace aspect of it. It really kind of opened my eyes up to things. And at this point now, I just don't understand. At this point now in time, we should know if right there in front of our face. How can you ignore it as a Christian and see it right there in front of your face and still defend it? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. This, see, this is exactly why it is so important to speak up about these things, particularly this this particular example, talking about World War II and the the atom bombs, is these things have been lionized so indisputably in in history texts, in in Western media and culture that it's it is it is sacrilegious to speak out against it. But that that undeserved. Uh, reputation is what the American empire has lived on now for 80 years. When they then intervene in Korea or South America or Vietnam or the Middle East or, you know, or perhaps a Ukraine or a Taiwan, they are still living on the, the mythos of, well, you know, we were the people that saved the world, you know, greatest generation World War II. So that's why it's good to it, because it was wrong then and it's wrong now. Absolutely. And it's going to be wrong the next time we do it, too. Mm-hmm. I'm under no illusion that somehow the United States empire is going to become <laughs> peaceful because they're not. They're not going to be peaceful. There's no, there's no proof of that in history. It is becoming even more evil, and the longer this goes on, and 
I, I don't really call myself a libertarian because it it, it carries on this. Uh, well, maybe you're part of a, a political party and stuff. So I, I I'm very specific about what I call myself an anarchist. I made that six month journey into <laughs> anarchy from my libertarian ideals, right? So, but as anarchists, libertarians, Christians, atheists, agnostic, whatever, if you you can look at this. We had to come to an understanding. It was like, this is wrong. And we do need to be loud about it because at some point they're going to have to start listening to us or they're not. And if they're not going to listen to us, they're, they're, they're going to become even more, even more impressive. I don't think they're going to listen to us, but it's okay if we, we need to, we need to talk about it and we can, we can opt out. We can walk away from this because when we stop supporting this type of stuff, they lose power. I don't care what anybody says. We're like, well, they're going to do what they want to do, even if you don't support them. Probably. But when they've lost that much support, then they start losing their power. That's the problem that I'm seeing right now. Is we, there's too many people still supporting them. So they're going to keep doing what they're doing. As long as they've got that support, you know, we could talk about a, a, a wide variety of things or topics that people are going to argue about. And they're going to run every two years or four years to vote for this empire. I don't, I don't get it anymore. There's a lot of people out there that about as far as they put thought into it is, well, I may or may not support, you know what, I, I don't support this tax increase, or I don't support this new zoning regulation, or I don't even maybe support this war. But it's happening, and I can't do anything about that, and, and they're going to be mustering the troops for it, and, and I do support my troops, therefore... I'm going to be supportive. I may not support this particular cause, but I support the people. And that's the cop-out that they will use to then justify the, the pulpit being militarized to support the troops. Let's go all, let's all go tie our yellow ribbons and make sure that we're, you know, wel welcoming the troops back home and all that stuff. And, and my response to that is, is that, of course, there's, there's there's the trope, not that it's not accurate, that, well, if you truly supported the troops, you would not be wanting them to be wasting their blood in foreign interventions that don't serve uh, any noble interest um, that uh, terrorize and oppress peoples around the world that are innocent people that have nothing to do with anything. That's not following uh, Christ's teachings. But furthermore, I, I even take that a step further and say it's up to individuals who are raising their young sons and daughters, and maybe maybe you're someone who come who comes from a military family, uh, maybe you're someone who served, but you today look back in horror and say, "Well, I I don't I don't want to associate with the American Empire." Well, you need to be raising children that way. You need, I, and I feel like that's, and and you can comment on this. You'd know more than me. I feel like that that's well within the same bounds as the church, right? If you're raising a child within the church, you're raising them on on principles of non-aggression and abhorring violence, and 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 same and same as is that. Well, if you see the American Empire as as evil, I mean, call it what it is then it is it is not virtuous to be a good person and join the evil empire and become a stormtrooper and say oh but I'll be a good stormtrooper no it's to it's to not join when we started this project one there there were several reasons why we started it but there there was a lot of things going on in Craig's head when we started it there one of them was 
I could sit in a church and I could I could listen to a, a message from the preacher, but I could also see fellow Christians, professing Christians, and their eyes were they're glossed over and they're they're there for an hour and then they go out have lunch and all this stuff that we're just talking about now right now is, is glossed over. It's it's not talked about. And if you talk about it, then you're supporting the other team because there's these Christians are very much political and they seem to think that they, that we need more Christians in power, which in itself goes directly against the teachings of Christ. Jesus did not come over to come to rule over anybody, he came to serve people. And that's how Christians should be behaving. But a lot of what we're talking about right now is just glossed over in the church. I pick on the church quite a bit, and I know I've talked to pastors on the show. I know there's some out there that don't do this. They don't gloss over this stuff. But the vast majority of your churches in America will gloss over this and actually defend it. When it goes, it flies directly in the face of the teachings of Christ. You can't look at scripture and Jesus said, love your neighbor and your enemy. And they're like, well, but it's okay if we go drop a bomb in, in Japan. Or Afghanistan. <laughs> that doesn't it doesn't doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Well, so it's the same mentality. Tell tell me if this if this connection makes any sense. The same kind of people that will support the troops no matter what abhorrent things the empire is up to tend to also be the same type of people that'll support the police no matter what the police are up to. And and also, I mean, because this I, you know, I, I I hesitate to say America is a quote Christian nation because I, I I'm not sure that, that 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 terminology doesn't doesn't make sense to me. But I, but there is a lot of Christians in the United States, and so there are a lot of people who go to church every Sunday who identify as Christians who also unwaveringly support the empire and support the police. And and the reason I make that connection is is that uh, particularly so for instance with the police. The the worst the worst aspects of the police state is that they train officers to have an us versus them mentality. They, you know, every single day they're putting their lives on the line to go out there and patrol the streets and and they're just trying to get home to their families. They 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 browbeat them into submission with this with their own ideology of it's us versus them. And I can see that in some places in the church of well, it's us versus them. Was was us versus them something that Jesus talked about, Craig? Nope, not <laughs> one time. <laughs> you brought up the police, and that's that's. I was that guy. You just described old Craig. I was that guy. You know, you support the police, you support the troops. I, I've said this more than once to folks, Christians in, in particular. I and I've lost a lot of friends over this too. I'm not going to lie. I've lost some very close relationships because of my new new views. You know, so I've. It's not set well with a lot of people, but once I start learning something and I see it for what it is, I'm not going to stop talking about it. And if it upsets you, I, that's that's not on me. That's on you. Maybe you need to go figure this out. But I tell them all the time, I support the troops so much that I don't want the empire sending them over to into a foreign land to kill somebody that they probably would have never met before in their life anyway, because these two governments are pissed off at each other. Then these folks either come back in a casket, they come back broken, they come back maimed. And then when they come back in any if they come back alive, more often than not, now they're killing themselves. 
there's something happening that is that is that has changed their mentalities because of what they've seen in war. I've talked to veterans on this show, and they and a lot of them know folks who have committed suicide after coming back from that stuff that probably would have never had that mentality before, but they've seen something, they've done something over there that has changed something in their brain that they can't get out of. And the only thing they can, the only out that they can find is just to kill themselves. We, we need to start talking that very seriously too, when it comes to these, to the soldiers, how much do you really support them? You want to put a, put a yellow ribbon on your, on your, on your shirt, wrap one around your tree out in your front yard. Or are you going to stand up and start speaking very out loud about what's happening to these folks when they're coming back broken, maimed, or in a casket? Yeah. That's how you support the troops. That's how you support the troops. Well, it's just, it's such a slap in the face that you've got people out there that think that the answer to the high suicide rates amongst veterans is, you know, more funding for the VA and not, let's not drone bomb preschools. Like that, <laughs> like yeah. that. I feel like that would go a longer, a, a longer way towards improving their their psychological well being. Uh, and furthermore, you know, and 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 I don't mean to harp on the, you know, look, everything's signal, everything and nothing is signaling. You know, if you're walking around with a, you've got a bumper sticker on your car, or you've got a ribbon on your door, or on your tree, or whatever. I'm not saying that because you do that, you're a bad person. What I'm saying is, is that there's a lot of people, as as you sort of insinuated, that's that's as far as it goes. That they're really just showing everyone what they think, as opposed to doing things that will demonstrate how they how they think or how they feel and specifically as it pertains to uh veterans suicide the the whole rigmarole of of nationalism and yellow ribbons is cuz i've talked to a lot of veterans and i'll tell them you know if you're if you're a veteran and you went through this nightmare and you've come out the other side and you you've come to a way of thinking that perhaps you and i have then it's not good enough to say, well, that was wrong and that's it. You've just, you've wiped your hands of it. I challenge them. This is, this is my challenge and this is for veterans and this is for people out there who maybe they used to be that true blood neocon and now they're more of a, uh, uh, you know, pinko commies like us who believe in not killing babies across the <laughs> halfway across the world. But I challenge you, it's not good enough to just say, well, yeah, if I had to do it over, I wouldn't do that. It was wrong. I, I challenge you to go down to your local recruiting office and you sit out there on the sidewalk and you beg those kids to turn around and go the other way. Don't let them make the same mistakes that you did. Now that, that, that is, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for here? That's, that's true absolution, right? Like that's, that's genuinely repenting for your sins is not just to say, well, yeah, that was probably a bad idea. It's a lot better to say, I'm going to try my best in my own way to move the needle so that more people don't make the mistakes I made. Unfortunately, that's a bridge too far for most people. It reminds me of something that I say that really gets a lot of your status Christians up in arms. You said repent of our sins. Well, when these folks are going and, and continue to put these people in power, to me, they're outsourcing their own sin. They can wipe their hands clean of it because they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Somebody else did it. And they they feel okay yep. about it. And that's just not true. You you have just as much blood on your hands as that politician that you went and voted for that sent these people into war. Yes. 
Yes, that is that is such a great point. There are so again, there's a lot of people that as far as they put any thought into it is, well, I didn't propose this policy. I didn't pass this bill. I didn't do that or this or the other. Um, and it's the same argument that they'll make for soldiers, for cops, for bureaucrats is that, well, I didn't write the law. I didn't give the order. I'm just following it. It's the just following orders trope. It's it's the Nuremberg defense. And, and the point being is, and I, I love something Michael Malice says about uh, his little token line for this is, those people should have just as much, if not more, blame than the crooked politician in D.C. And the reasoning being is, is that without the goons to enforce it, those people are just angry, rich men in D.C. with bad ideas. But it's with it's, But it was with your help that that evil happened. You have to wake up at that point. It's, at some point in your life, you have to wake up and say, all right, maybe I played a part in this. Not maybe. You did play a part in this. There's no... There's no gray area in this. You know, I, I say this all the time. I don't see a lot of gray. I see a lot of everything's black and white to me, but there's absolutely no gray in this area. You have just as much blood on your hands as the politician that when you see a, a, an unarmed black man being murdered in the streets by the police, they're just they're just doing their job. They're just they're, they're, they're following the law. <laughs> it's garbage. Well, it's just, you know, it's like Christians heal thyself that if you're if you're going to a church where the pastor is preaching supporting the troops and and getting everyone riled up for the next intervention and you see you see their temples with the American flag on top. And I always tell people cuz I cuz I know this observation's been made before, but my my kind of take on it is is that when when an enemy fort is taken. The first thing they do, right, is they they're going to lower their fl- their standard and put up and raise their flag it, it, to show we we this fort belongs to us now. And I kind of see those churches as the same way. You've been conquered, and they've put their flag up on the top of your mast to show that that's theirs now. Is that that just doesn't I, I can't that can't sit right with you? It doesn't sit right with me. You know, I've said I've sat in uh, church services before. And I've seen the American flag on the stage. I've seen the Christian flag on the stage. At the time, I, it did not register register to me that there's something wrong with this. I do understand it now. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem with the vast majority of Christians. They don't see this as being a problem. Do you know who uh, Tertullian is? No, no. He's uh, one of the early church uh, guys. And he was very outspoken about you know how we're supposed to respond to the state. And he said, he has a quote, and I, and I share this with a lot of Christians that they don't want to hear, but he said, shall we carry a flag? It's a rival to Christ. And if you think about what he's talking about, and I love what you just said, you've been conquered. There's a reason why the the, the state has infiltrated the church. It's all about power. They want, they, if they can control you, they can, they can still control you. Just because you're going to church, do not believe that you cannot be manipulated. You're being manipulated and they've, they've got you turned against your neighbor, against your enemy on purpose. And that goes against everything Jesus was teaching us. Love your neighbor, love your enemy. What part of that are you missing when you read these teachings of Jesus Christ? Why, how are you glossing over that aspect and then moving forward because you are afraid of the other team? 
you know, I don't know a lot of uh, Christians on the left. I know some, but most of the people that I know who are Christians are very staunch conservatives. Okay. And that's just, maybe it's just because I live in the South or whatever. And maybe it's different outside of the South. I don't know. They've turned this into being afraid of the other team. And I think the state did a very good job at doing this. I think they, they, you know, they did a very good job at, at turning people against each other and they can take control of the churches. And now they got a huge voting block. I'm really kind of curious to see what happens with like the, you know, not to get off topic with, with like the whole Roe v. Wade thing that just, you know, came out here, you know, a couple months back and how that, how Christians are going to respond to that. I've, I've talked to Christian anarchists about this and they're like, well, that's a good thing. I was like, you know what? Let me tell you something. It sounds good on paper, but the state does not do anything for no reason at all. I think they're, they're, they, this this happened for a reason, and I still, it, regardless of how you feel about abortion, I still do not believe that the state should be involved in it in any aspect because there's always some kind of nefarious reason behind it. I don't trust the government whatsoever, like zero percent. So I'm always very suspicious. I've, I've become even more cynical. The older I've gotten and the more I've started kind of, you know, getting back to my liberty roots that I thought I had when I was a neoconservative, you know, but I don't trust them. I don't trust them. There's something in Christians especially should be suspicious of the state because the state murdered Jesus Christ, the church, the religious leaders, the political, the Roman Empire murdered Jesus Christ. Why do you think the United States Empire is any different than the Roman Empire? Do you not think, and I say this all the time too, Jesus Christ was walking around on earth right now. Christians would be lined up to vote for Barabbas to be saved and not Jesus. And there's not a doubt in my mind. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, like kind of draw a parallel to, you know, bi- biblical days and scripture and then fast forwarding to, you know, uh, revolutionary, American revolutionary days and founding fathers is that stuff that the you know it's 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 very in vogue nowadays for people to look back at the founding generation and judge them say oh this one owned slaves or oh this one you know whatever this one had some illicit relationships or oh this one said these things that don't pass political correctness muster hundreds of years later and therefore they are i am i am morally superior to thomas jefferson i am morally superior to you know, whatever, John Adams or or Alexander Hamilton or George Washington or any of the others. And it's that, but so first of all, you're not. And second of all, <laughs> and second of all <laughs> you're, you have to understand that what they were saying when they were saying it, this was transformational. They were saying things that, that was a huge leap forward in political thought at the time that if you had uttered these things, 50 years before, or even then in the wrong company, they were going to cut your head off. <laughs> like this was, yeah. they were taking some great leaps forward to, to use a terrible <laughs> communism analogy. Uh, and then, you know, going back to, to scripture, if you think of the state of the world from a historical perspective, you know, some thousands of years ago, if you look at the state of mankind and petty lords and tyrants and subsistence living and you know, literacy rates and, uh, and family units and just the, the way the world worked at that time, 
to to have these ideas to to talk about to talk about the teachings to talk about uh you know turning the other cheek um one of one of my you know living by the sword die by the sword i mean this was this was an era not only during that time but for hundreds of nay thousands of years later if your local lord came by and said grab your hoe and your pitchfork we're going to war you just did it or they just killed you you know or you you just went and you didn't you didn't know who you were fighting alongside you didn't know who you were fighting against you were just told to because you were their serf or your their vassal and you just did it and so to have these teachings come along saying well actually that's wrong and you should not do that because this is not your kingdom your kingdom is in heaven and to in, again just 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 the one concept of live by the sword die by the sword uh i know ron paul had written that book that was based on that uh that line of uh, turning swords into plowshares i'm i'm sorry I, I like i'm doing i'm doing all the best references i can do as an atheist who doesn't go to church <laughs> no, at, to, to hit all the i feel i feel like i sound i hope i sound at least like i'm vaguely familiar with what i'm talking about here actually you hit the points better than most christians do so keep going <laughs> yeah okay so so like just the just the concept of you know simply living a life of of the strongest will survive and, and using violence and force, you know, who might makes right, basically like might makes right was the prevailing real, real ethos of planet earth for basically all mankind's history. You could argue it still is except for pockets of people like true Christians who would say, well, you know, in in practice, in in on our mortal coil, that may be what often happens, but they're not right. You know, they're they're not morally correct because they had the biggest bombs, or shot the most bullets, or killed the most people. But so again, this was transformational thought at the time that you would literally be crucified for saying out loud in the wrong <laughs> company. So for one, have a little bit of respect for that, that that was something brave to do, that even living, so I, I guess this is where I'm going with this, is that even living in modern times where you won't be fed to lions for saying what I just said, there are still people afraid to say it. And that's, it's like, wow, where's the backbone here? Like, it's, it's so weird to canonize people who, who lived through torture and death believing in their beliefs. but because you won't get invited to the the back to school fair at your church for saying this you won't do it wow have a little bit of self-respect have a little bit of self-respect and it's actually have a little bit of backbone mm -hmm. I, I i i love what you said earlier we got to be we got to start talking out loud about this christians especially need to be i mean because this is why i want to talk to you because i think even as you're you're non-christian but you still view Christians in a way, if you saw more Christians standing up and saying this thing, you might maybe want to learn a little bit more about Christianity. If they were actually being, I can understand why people push back against the church and don't want anything to do with it because they see Christians behaving in a way that we've been talking about this entire time so far. I understand that. I've actually, I've actually had more in common recently with non-Christians than I do with Christians. That's outside of Christian anarchist circles, like a lot of us in, the, in these circles, we're going to agree on you know pretty much everything. There's some things we differ on, and that's fine. But that's that's it's it's minors. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. 
But when people on the outside of these circles, outside of Christian circles, are looking at Christians, what are they seeing? How are Christians behaving? We're, we're supposed to be a represent, representation of Jesus Christ. And if we're representing or we're endorsing war, we're endorsing the state, that's not what people want to see. We're supposed to be working on the fringes of society, helping the widows, helping the orphans, feeding the hungry. That's what we're supposed to be doing, not supporting the empire. I think it really puts a, a, a black eye on the church when, when Christians can't even take just the very basic teachings of Christ seriously. It makes folks like Alan look at us like, what are they doing? What are they talking about? You understand anti-war. Christians should understand anti-war. Why aren't they understanding this? And I can understand why we get so much pushback and why people are leaving the church in droves. Not at one to attend church. I get it. I get it. I can see it. It's if if you if you want to just go ahead and completely bury ourselves in the eyes of the audience and just go ahead and bring up Israel too. Is that <laughs> you know I li- I live in a part of the country where you can actually drive through fairly well-to-do subdivisions and see people with Israeli flags on their poles next to their American flags or crosses. And that that blows my mind. Like, I mean, purely from a political standpoint, it's that, well, I know that they're not Jewish. I know that they they go down to the Church of Christ here every week. So I know they're not Jewish. Um, they've never been there. They've never gone to Jerusalem or anything. Um but they absolutely unequivocally support Israel and every every six-year-old girl that gets her legs blown off in Palestine a hundred percent deserved it because she was born in the wrong place and has the wrong uh her family has the wrong beliefs. I mean, what does a six-year-old believe, right? Uh so she she's totally deserved what she got um because they're they're just terrorists. And and so they unequiv- unequivocally support Israel and don't question it. And so again, so from a political standpoint, that just doesn't make any sense. And then from a cultural standpoint, it's that the people you're supporting, because because I'm not talking about regular people. I'm not talking about the average Israeli who just gets up and goes to work and is trying to feed their families and all that. I try to have, as I've gotten older, I try to have more empathy for just the common everyday man. That's like, you know, give that guy a break. He's just trying to do his job and he's just trying to pay his bills. And, you know, they, they don't all just sit around like us nerds doing podcasts. <laughs> And, and, but I'm talking about the Netanyahu's of the world. I'm talking about the Israeli regime. Like you unequivocally support the Israeli regime in their fight. And I was like, you know, they hate you. They hate you and everything you stand for. And they're perfectly content for you to sign your tax payments and send them a chunk every year. Even the, but they hate everything you stand for. Do you think if in some magical world that we woke up tomorrow and the entire Middle East converted and and they named Israel their new parent state and now that entire part of the world was just all called Israel and there was no more terrorism and there was no more uh, Muslim extremism? It all just went away overnight. You 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 had a genie and you asked for a wish and the wish came true. Do you think when that world came to be? that then that new great kingdom of Israel would send you all your money back and thank you for your great contributions to their cause and stand side by side with you and your endeavors? No, because they don't get, they don't give a shit about you. They don't care about you. They don't, they don't believe what you believe. You're not on the same team. And so it just straight it, to me, that is, it, that is no different. At, I mean, I, I was going to say that's no different in having some other random country's flag, but God knows people are 
waving their Ukrainian flags and their so so actually I just retract everything I just said. Go on. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something a little uh, not a little it's a lot embarrassing about myself and I think I may have mentioned this once or twice on the show. I used to believe speaking of Israel. I used to believe that God created the United States of America to protect Israel. That was the sole purpose of the United States of America. Wow. I, I mean, I, I, I say wow because more I'm just thinking, God, I, I'm like the worst American ever then. I'm broken. <laughs> I'm a defective bot. Hey, folks. Craig here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors had no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page, and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. If you knew how quickly my change came about and how much it has screwed my head up and how, how I'm still trying to catch up with myself these days, it seems like I'm running and fast forward, learning new things, trying to catch up with everybody else. Because when I, when I first moved to Memphis, I was still, I wouldn't call myself an anarchist, but I was kind of leaning that way, you know, that six month journey. I, but it took me a little longer than six months. But I was because when I first thing I did when I moved to Memphis, I went and registered to vote. I'm pretty sure I'm still a registered voter in the state of Tennessee. I'm pretty sure I have not voted since 2016. I will say that to qualify all of that. But when I was getting into these libertarian circles and, and there were anarchists involved and I started if you could find one that was not a total snark that would have a conversation with you. Cause you know, anarchists were pretty snarky. You know, we, we see things for what they are. And if somebody's asking stupid questions, we're like, I don't want to answer this one again, but if you could find one that will sit down and have a conversation with you, then you can start. And I started learning from them a little bit, started understanding what they were talking about. Because when you get to anarchy, voluntarism, whatever you want to call it, you get back to the very roots of Liberty. And this is one one thing I want to talk to you about is because as an anarchist, as an atheist, you understand what liberty is. You understand why we should be striving for liberty. Christ created every one of us with liberty. If anybody should be defending liberty, it should be Christians. Now, this is my question for you. How do you, knowing that I'm a Christian, how do you respond to this one? No masters, no rulers, no kings, no gods. Because I've I've run into that so much with with uh, anarchists who do not subscribe to any kind of you know religious ideas or anything, and I told you before we started recording, if I can't have my Christ, then you can keep your anarchy. I'm not interested. How do you do you do you approach Christians with with that same kind of tact that that, that I've run into, or, or are you different about it? So I'll I'll kind of answer it in the in a little bit in in the reverse, and then and then get to it. Is that because because I'll, I'll I've talked to people that'll say that, well, I, I see these things as just being self-evident that I'm I'm a Christian and Christian anarchism is is what is it is self-evident to me. And so I I've actually I've had 
lots of people say, I just don't understand how you could not be a believer and purport to be an anarchist or a part of this community. And I, and I tell people as it pertains to that token line of no, no masters, no rulers, no gods is that it's, to me, it's easy to see how that phrase came about because if you're an individual absolutist who abhors authority at all levels, including the metaphysical, <laughs> then you can just you can just logically see how they would draw that conclusion, right? I'm not saying you agree with it or disagree. I'm just saying you can see where it comes from. Um, what I would say is 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 two things. One. As, as far as the atheist community goes, because in my experience, way more atheists are vaccine card carrying status than they are anything else, um, is the, the appropriate way to approach that is, is to, to always, always understand that in, implicitly the word enforced is on all those things. No enforced rulers, no enforced masters, no enforced gods. Now, I think if the state religion was going to be one you didn't agree with, then you would be perfectly content to say, I agree with the with the principle of no enforced gods. I mean, that's where, you know, uh, that's that's like a theocratic fascism that that I think true Christians would say, well, no, we're not for that. Uh, So I think if you if you if I could if I could add the add the word enforced onto each of those bylines then the phrase makes more sense without being such a butthole about it. Um, what I will say for the buttholes out there who try to throw these, you know, they they heard Christopher Hitchens talk, uh, and so they're trying to repeat whatever Hitchens says, but they don't have anywhere near his IQ or wit. So you're you're hearing, you know, you're hearing a defective bot trying to repeat to you something that Sam Harris said, right? Like <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Those people, and they're insufferable. But I think I, I mean, my my experience is is that the majority of of Bible thumping church, churchgoers are insufferable. Unfortunately, the the American church as it currently exists is insufferable. Um, and so the, the, and so I guess what I would say is may, maybe this will be, this will be my, my punchline for our entire, our entire chat today is you can have all the right opinions on policy and still be a terrible person. <laughs> so when you're talking about whether you're talking to the atheist who's trying to or, or the anarchist, like you said, that just rolls their eyes, says, Ugh, you know, we're going to talk about the roads for the thousandth time. Or, I, you know, or just, you know, who just, 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 just casually dismisses people for one reason or another. Those people would be just as insufferable in utopia as they are today, right here and right now. I think you're, I, I love what you said, enforced rulers, enforced gods, enforced masters. I think if you add that one word, I think it changes really changes that argument. Even if, if anarchists, secular anarchists, anarchists started using that, then I'd be like, all right, cool. I'm with you. I'm with you on this. And I've, I've told a lot of them many times, listen, you got to understand something. We, ha- we have the, common, the same common goal that you do. You have an ally in Christian anarchists. Don't dismiss us because we, we choose Jesus as our king. Don't dismiss us because we have, we're your ally. We're trying to help you with this, would you say, utopia? We're trying to get to that utopia the same way you are, but we still have a king. 
don't dismiss us because we are your ally. And I think a lot of, I think we could go a long way with that in promoting the idea of liberty if we work together instead of fighting about something stupid about whether this person can have a master or a ruler or a king or a god or whatever. Why are we arguing about that? Why don't we argue for the idea of liberty instead of against each other about something so that doesn't, it's not affecting you. I'm not telling you that you need Jesus. I'm not telling you to go find Jesus. I'm telling you that I've already found him and I'm pretty cool with Jesus. Jesus was the original, the OG anarchist. If you want to get right down to it, they didn't use the word anarchy back then. The word didn't exist. The early church and Jesus himself lived a life of anarchy. He didn't have to talk about it. We use we use the word anarchist as you know as a label. He didn't have to use the word anarchy. He just lived it. He just lived that life. And that's how Christians should be behaving. In, in my opinion, we should live that life. Live a life, and I say this all the time, and I'm sorry, listeners, if you're tired of hearing me say this, but live a life that gets folks asking you questions. Don't live a life that gets folks asking, why are you acting that way? And I don't want anything, anything to do with what you're talking about because you're not, you're being hypocritical. You're not being consistent. That's how, that's how we draw people in. Again, like I said, I, as, as I've gotten older, I try to, I try to remind myself because I'm, I'm not perfect. And so sometimes I have to very explicitly remind myself of things to, to be charitable and not just charitable in terms of charitable giving, but also charitable in terms of how you perceive others and how you understand their viewpoints. Uh, I think one of the biggest issues that we have politically speaking is, you know, if you if you're on Twitter and you see somebody, so say you see your your typical progressive or leftist say, well, Republicans are against abortion because they just want women to die, and it's say, well, that's that's not a very even like. No matter where you fall on the debate, that's not a very charitable expression of what your opponent's viewpoint is. So be be charitable, but in but including being charitable and understanding your opponent's worldview. Um, however, because I'm not asking you, look, I'm not Jesus Christ, and I'm not telling you to turn the other cheek. Be charitable with other people, but also be willing to understand that you can't save the world yourself and we're we're all always searching for the remnant there it is a big part of that is building a community and you can build a community by having that principle of charity but you also build that community by casting out people who hate you who hate what you stand for and who want to destroy you and when you recognize that you have to have the fortitude to stand up and say, this is wrong and, and I will not suffer this. This is, this is not a part of what I believe. This is not a part of the community I want to be a part of, or in your case, this is not, this is not a part of the church or the church I want to be a part of. And either people will wake up and come around to what you're saying and join your community or they won't. And, and, while we, because we started this whole conversation about being anti-war, if we love peace above all else, the best thing to do perhaps then is for us to go our separate ways sometimes and not be forced in, you know, enforced rulers and masters, forced into relationships that we don't want to be a part of. Um, and there's, there's got to be some middle, it doesn't mean give up. 
It doesn't mean give up on others or give up on things or ideas or people or anything, but you, you got to pick your battles, right? I, I guess that's the, that's what little wisdom I would try to leave with people is you got to pick your battles, but seeking the remnant should come first before trying to change the minds of the masses. They are out there. You know, I've good, goodness knows as, as a, as a late night podcast hosting jazz jazz playing uh anarchist podcaster i i'm about as niche of a niche group as you can possibly get and i live in the bible belt right and yet i i i do not feel poor with friends that's awesome you know you you have this thing that you do is it once a year where you have folks show up and y'all get together i I wanted to come to the last one. I think the weekend y'all were having it, there was something I was doing the weekend prior, so I couldn't make both trips. So maybe next year I can show up and we can hang out and talk more about this. And this has actually probably been my most enjoyable conversation with a <laughs> with a with a anarchist with with a with a soon to be burning in hell heathen. This is the most enjoyable conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> That's funny because I don't even believe that people burn in hell forever anymore. So you really want to run some Christians wrong to tell them that eternal conscious torment does not exist. That if there's anything heretical, it's eternal conscious torment. Mm-hmm. I've been called. I've been if I'm not called a heretic at least once a week, then I'm probably not doing something right. Yeah. Or I've just stopped talking. If I if I want to if I want to piss off Christians specifically when they know I'm not one is I, I wait to be told all the reasons why I'm wrong and go to hell so that I can say to them, it's okay. Jesus will forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. See, there's that anarchist snark that I'm always expecting from anarchists. I love it. Well, before I let you go, like I said, this has been great, dude. I I look forward to this conversation for a while. I'm sorry that took me so long to set it up, but, like I said, I've been recording like a madman lately. But before I let you go, plug whatever you want to plug, and then uh, I'll let you get out of here. Sure. So uh, it's too late. Episodes every Wednesday night at nine o'clock Eastern time is when they debut live uh, on YouTube, Odyssey, Facebook, Twitter. Um, the podcast version comes out the next day on Spotify, iTunes, Google, all those. Um, but you got to watch the show. It's a TV show. You got to watch, you know, you can listen if you want. We do that for people, but you know, how are you going to see all my offensive memes if you don't watch the show? Right. (laughs) Uh, you can, you can get all those by just searching it's too late with Alan Mosley or, uh, Alan Mosley TV. So Facebook, all the social medias are at Alan Mosley TV. Oh, and we'll say really quick, the, the event that you mentioned earlier, we had our fourth annual it's too late live show. Uh, and that was back in June. And I think next year's, the fifth annual show is looking like it's going to be uh, in May, I think. It's going to be like late, maybe the third or fourth week of May is going to be the fifth annual show. So we do we do, do that. I, I try to walk the walk. I don't, I don't have a big budget. I do need a, I need a whole lot more Patreon subscribers and people going to patreon.com slash Alan Mosley for me to put on more events. But we do one a year. Just this past year alone, I think we had 26 different states represented. Wow. At the event, uh, people from all, you, you get to meet all of your internet friends to find out which ones are FBI agents. 
<laughs> so when we, when when we when we have it, so all the ones that were wearing the the khaki shorts and, and sunglasses, <laughs> they, they all came out. Um, and uh, when we have a date for that, we'll let you know. But yeah, man, you you're you're in Tennessee now, so you're a Tennessean. So if I don't have more Tennesseans at my annual event than other than New Yorkers, then ugh, the the union has truly prevailed. I'm, I'm going to be Scott Horton on this right now. I'm a misplaced Texan is what I am. So, <laughs> I, but like I said, I, I like the state of Tennessee for the, for the most part the a lot of the people that I encounter are pretty cool. I mean, just, it's different. You know what? I lived 25 years in Arkansas and I got family and friends there, you know, but I will never live in that state again on purpose. One thing that I did appreciate when I when I first moved here, people were like, "Well, you can live in Mississippi," and I'm like, "Doesn't Mississippi have a state income tax? Tennessee doesn't, so I'm going to live in Tennessee. Arkansas would tax you to death, and I, if I can avoid any of that theft as much as possible, I'm going to avoid it. I'm not interested in giving the state any money, not giving. I'm, I'm not interested in being stolen from. So I try to be try to avoid the theft." But yes, uh, I want to. I do really want to come meet you guys and, and be a part of that 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 get together. That sounds like a lot of fun. I saw some of the pictures, and it looks like y'all had a blast. And so, keep me posted on when that happens next year. Because we'll do. I'm not that far. I mean, I can make that trip pretty easily. So sounds like a plan. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. I I appreciate you coming on and taking the time to speak with us. And I think a lot of our listeners are going to enjoy this conversation because. One thing I've tried to make a point of doing with the show is getting different perspectives because if I turn it into an echo chamber, people are going to tune out. So it's it's important for me to get different perspectives on the show so people can kind of draw from the guests who might not be you know the same as Craig, you know, because Craig could say a lot of things and people may agree with him or they just may shut him off. But if I get somebody on like Alan who has a different perspective on some stuff, but I think actually we agree on a lot of stuff. So yeah, and that's really admirable because that's the opposite of it's too late, where my perspective is the only perspective. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, I'm going to let you get out of here and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about The Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com.